Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Greetings to all you loyal followers of crazy animals out there. We have a great episode lined up for you of our new podcast, Brace for Impact. Our guest today, Frank Pavone, has a very interesting track record, one of the most down-to-earth people I've ever met, and he's been a contributor to religious networks such as EWTN. He currently serves as the National Director of Priests for Life, and he most certainly qualifies as one of those angels that I've been talking about that found their way into my life and bolstered my faith. He was a priest, a Roman Catholic priest, and he was defrocked for some pro-life views. He was very outspoken. He's still fighting to get his collar back, but he still serves as National Director of Priests for Life. And how we met was related to that. One of my first ever stories, maybe my first ever, if I think about it, my first ever original story as a reporter, as an intern at the Daily Caller, was covering the March for Life back in 2015, I think. And I called it the March for Life, the beat goes on for the double entendre, the heartbeat and just the phrase of we're going to keep going. They do it every year. And we had a mutual friend in common we found that was at the rally. And her name is Dr. Alveda King. She's the niece of Martin Luther King and a very big pro-life advocate. And she was the one who helped me grow in my friendship with Father Frank. I knew him from EWTN. I'd seen his face. And if you Google him, you might recognize him because he is very public and media savvy. But I remember also my grandmother telling me to connect with him at some point if I was going to go to Washington. My grandma, for those of you that don't know, or if I haven't mentioned it in detail, she's one heck of a woman. We're going to do an episode on her alone at some point. She's passed, but we'll interview someone that knew her because she not only had 12 children, but she, after being a nurse for decades, went into the Carmelite convent. You must be asking, how can you do that when you've been married and had 12 kids? Well, she was given special dispensation to do it because the deal was, if you as a nurse help the older sisters, we will admit you into the convent. Now, my grandpa had passed and he was, he passed away two months before I was born. And my grandmother went in when I was about five years old and she just passed this past December. And I remember her telling me, go find Father Pavone. And my grandma, very pro-life woman, thought it was very important that everyone be given a shot. And in her view, it was tantamount to cutting someone short by aborting the fetus. You were not just flushing that out of your life, but you were cutting off everything that person could become. And that's why she put so much emphasis on it. So that kind of, those two people, my grandmother and Dr. Alveda King, set me on a path to meet Father Frank. And I knew that my grandma had appreciated his pro-life stance in particular. So as I got to interview him about that subject, we became friends and we worked together quite a bit actually. Now, due to his outwardly pro-life stance, as I mentioned, he had been defrocked, which is when you lose your collar from the priesthood, and they, in essence, escort you out. They say, we don't want you in the priesthood anymore. I'm sure his conservative beliefs had nothing to do with that, or his outward support of President Trump had nothing to do with that. 
But for now, he is fighting to get his collar back. And he has some great things to say about the pro-life movement, Jesus's love for us. And he advises not just how Christians can live a more peaceful life, but how Christians and non-Christians can interact in peace. And it's hard to argue with be peaceful, love your enemies, and love one another as I have loved you. But some people are so afraid to even open the book that they don't even know about it. So hopefully with this episode, we can shine some light on some better options. And with that, without further ado, here's someone preaching faith during a time of great uncertainty. And trust me, the roadmap he provides will be worth 20 minutes of your time. Sit back and enjoy. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Father Frank, how you doing? Hi, Nick. I'm doing great. And uh, congratulations on this new venture. Oh, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's exciting to be able to actually talk to people like you and, and my friends that uh, the public needs to hear from and, and should hear from. So thank you for that. Uh, let, let's open up one of your biggest things, and this is where we met at the March for Life, is the pro-life movement. That's uh, one of your main tenets, something you worked toward uh, for many years. Tell me why in today's day and age, when many young people don't shift towards that belief as much, they're more maybe pro-choice or in the middle, why is this such an important aspect of society that we need to keep discussing, keep talking about it, and keep fighting for well, because it's the most fundamental right that we have. If we don't have life, we don't have anything else. You know, we like to talk about our rights. We like to talk about the protection of our rights. And when we look at government, we know that it has a certain responsibility to protect those rights. And if life itself isn't protected, then all the other rights disappear. You know, so we look at uh, uh, the question of human rights and we have to ask, well, when do they begin? Well, human rights begin when human lives begin. So if you take away the life of a child in her earliest de- days of development, there in the, the mother's womb, you've taken away her education, you've taken away her right to health care, you've taken away everything. That's why, in a nutshell, it is so crucial that we look at this, this abortion issue, because this is the only category of people who, in the United States, by law, in too many places, do not even have the right to exist, do not even have that fundamental right to life that we need to fix. So let's talk about one of the elephants in the room. You were defrocked from the priesthood, uh, it seems, for being outspoken about these pro-life issues. And uh, from what I heard, and I want to confirm this, you're fighting to get your collar back. Is that true? Oh, yes. That's always been the case. I mean, I I, I told them, uh, uh, you know, if you take this uh, priesthood status away from me, I'll be right there knocking at the door. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, And, you know, if most priests, if they get uh, thrown out of the priesthood, uh, it would mean that they had lost they lost their job. They lost their salary, their staff, their home. Uh, But none of that is true with me because I'm heading up a ministry that stands on its own. We are not financially or juridically dependent on the bishops or even on the pope. Uh, We work in union with the church. We are Catholic, 
But uh, not all of those things do not change for me. I have a hundred percent supportive staff, board, and mission. That is that, and 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 hundreds of thousands of supporters around the country and around the world who are sticking with us more than ever. Uh, of course, most people will say, "Well, why in the world did you get thrown out of the priesthood?" And you know, it, it, uh, they have to answer that question because they haven't done a very good job of answering it so far. In fact, over the years, various bishops who have not liked what I've been doing, although the vast majority do give us support, but those who don't, they haven't done a very good job of explaining. They've, they've used one excuse after another. It, it's sort of like when you look at what's being done to President Trump, it's always a different excuse, right? They had a Russia collusion, the Ukraine, you know, documents at Mar-a-Lago. It's always a different excuse uh, trying to stop the, 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 the same person uh, from from carrying out his mission. And I feel like I've been, you know, victimized with the the ecclesiastical version of of the same kind of harassment. I was going to bring up President Trump. It's funny you brought that up because it lines up well with my next question and it ties in a little bit uh, into the church as well. There seems to be this schism within Catholicism where you have one side, that's the traditional side, the pro-life side, the more biblical uh, parents should have power over what their children learn in school. Then you have this other side that's more pushing social justice, maybe more in line with Francis's Jesuit values, uh, very off the map from what the church was even in the 90s and 2000s. Do you think there's a persecution factor now among the church, now that it seems to have tilted left, that anyone that's center, center right, or even in the traditional values of the church, they're going to be persecuted? Well, that's our experience. You know, we can't read anybody's minds or souls or intentions, but that is certainly the experience of very many Catholics, very many groups within the church. And you know what? Our evangelical brothers and sisters, uh, they see this so clearly themselves, too. You know, I mentioned how uh, my support in my ministry, Priests for Life, is so strong. Well, it's very, very strong among our our evangelical brothers and sisters. They see what's going on in the church. They face this in various ways in, in, in their own denominations. So the short answer is, uh, yes, there is there is definitely a persecution. Um, it shouldn't be this way. There's no reason for it to be this way. But uh, in fact, it is. I had a, another interview of a congressional candidate. His name is Bob McGuffey. And I asked him a similar question that I'm about to ask you, that there seems to be a sense that we're going, we're headed for a cliff, that we're, there's going to be some sort of fall. These banks are collapsing. Uh, leadership is lacking. Is there a way to come back from this that doesn't involve, say, civil unrest? They're talking about arresting Donald Trump. Is there a way that this doesn't escalate out of control to what you're used to, where the pendulum swings back, the church revives? Or do you think, like in other countries, we're going to actually need to see a, a full collapse before people come back to the church and, and come back to God? Well, we have to realize we're we're certainly at a dangerous moment, but yes, we can come back. And the way we come back is through elections. You know, people were saying, oh, you know, we're getting really mad. You know, when do we get, when is it time to get mad? Election day is when it's time to get mad. Uh, we've got to we've got to uh, uh, really, really see how I mean, you just compare the, the years of the Trump administration, which were not that long ago with these recent years of the the, the, the what I call the, the Brandon administration. And it's like it's 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 like you see the difference. It, it Leadership matters. Personnel is policy, especially when the personnel, unfortunately, hate America and hate 
the values and and I mean it didn't used to be this way. It used to be that political disagreements. You know, you could say, okay, well, you know, uh, we're all aiming in the same for the same thing. You know, we all have the best interests uh, of each other and of of the country at heart. We just have disagreements about policy or how we get there or how we implement the principles that we are in agreement on. But it's no longer that way. We are no longer in agreement on the basic principles, including, like we already mentioned briefly, the right to life itself, including freedom of religion, including the very existence of objective truth and morality, and including whether or not America is worth fighting for, or whether it's a a, a great country or not. Those of us who are on the side of America, faith, freedom, life, we have to realize that those are the things we unite around. Uh, There's always going to be division. The division is worse than ever. But our goal is not healing the division. Our goal is victory. We have to be united around the right things and then not worry about the fact that there's division. Just worry that you're on the right side of the division. If you are, then fight like crazy for victory. Speaking of that, you have that uh, schism I mentioned earlier, and it's in the church, but it's also surrounding Francis's leadership. Now, he's getting up there in age. He's getting older. It's not unprecedented now after Benedict stepped down uh, for Francis to step aside or you know, his health may get worse. What do you want to see from the next conclave when they decide who will be his successor, whether it's through retirement or through death. What is, are they going to do what many Catholics want them to do and put a younger godlike man in, in charge that maybe he's in his 60s instead of his 70s or 80s? Or is this going to be a similar situation where they hand it off to an older cardinal who maybe doesn't even want it? It didn't even seem like Francis was raring to go when he took over. Uh, what do you think is going to happen when it's time for a changing of the guard? How do you think they're going to handle it? Well, the cardinals can see the same thing that we're all seeing. And the fact that Pope Francis uh, chose them does not necessarily mean that they think the same way he does, especially seeing uh, these divisions, as you mentioned, and even persecutions within the church. I'm confident that there will be a change uh, for the better, that the majority of cardinals will say, listen, we need, for lack of a better term, a more conservative uh, pope. I don't know that age matters as much as that point that this is going to be somebody who's going to um, unconfuse the confusion. That's one thing that has to be done because a lot of people, I mean, including cardinals themselves, have over these last 10 years asked Pope Francis and asked him very formally for, for clarifications about certain things that he has said and have not gotten the clarification, you know, and, 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 and a lot of the faithful are confused because they're hearing him say things that don't sound like what they learned, you know, when they were studying the catechism growing up as, as Catholics. But I say to those people, you know, it, it's okay if you're confused by something that the Pope says. What you never have to be confused about is what the church says. And there's a distinction there. We've been spoiled in in as much as most of us listening now, we've grown up under popes who have all been saints. You know, John the 23rd has been canonized, Paul the 6th, John Paul the 2nd. I mean, we've we've grown up under saints now. uh, And that means that We've kind of been spoiled. And, and and it was easy during those years to think of, you know, the teachings of the Pope, the teachings of the church as one and the same. But technically, they're not that the Pope is just as responsible as the rest of us are to maintain, believe in and proclaim the teachings of Jesus Christ. And 
the six words, the six magic words that I say to people, here's what you have to hold on to if you're confused by what the pope or a bishop or even your pastor might say, those words are what the church has always taught. That's what we hold on to. The pope cannot change that. He cannot discard that. He cannot ignore that. He cannot dilute that. And, 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 and we know what it is. It's openly available. It's not some kind of secret knowledge. Uh, and, and so we hold firm to that anchor and we realize, hey, listen, everybody, including the pope, is human, prone to error and is sinful. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, that's that's that, that's where we can find our consolation. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go nowhere. We have much more to come with Frank Pavone coming up right after this. Stay tuned. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Salutations, salutations, and thank you for coming back to Brace for Impact. I'm your host, Nick Jeevis. Let's go ahead, throw it back over to Frank Pavone for some more real talk that you won't get anywhere else. I'd like to swing back to the abortion issue before I close with one or two uh, bigger questions or deeper questions. But this is an interesting scenario. A friend of mine asked me this before. Uh, They're kind of in the middle to the left. And let's say you had a scenario where you had someone that's had an abortion and they feel guilty about it and they feel shamed and they feel afraid to delve into the nature of God or the church for fear of being reminded that they may have committed a sin or that they could have done things differently, uh, whatever that factor may be. What would your advice be to women that have had abortions that are afraid to come back to the church or that don't look into the church's teachings or and they want to just live their life? They want to be left alone. They want to think it's a clump of cells. They don't want to be have the finger wagged in their face that they did something wrong. Is there a way to approach those type of people to show them love, to bring them back into the church that you've learned over the years uh, in your your studies. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and we say to them, we are on your side. We are with you. We are not judging you, condemning you, rejecting you. We who reject abortion do not reject those who have had abortions. Uh, in fact, uh, Nick, you know, I oversee the world's largest ministry for healing those who have had abortions. Uh, it's called Rachel's Vineyard. And uh, every day we're welcoming people like this back to the peace and the mercy that they need. What they need to realize within themselves, not only is that that we are here to welcome them back. We're not going to judge them. But what they also need to realize is they may want to stuff their abortion down and down into a dark corner of their mind or lock it in a closet and forget about it. But their abortion is going to pursue them. That's that's just human nature. Uh, uh, the, the wound of abortion pursues us until we resolve it. The good news is it can be resolved. We can face it if we face it honestly, not by ourselves, 
The isolation doesn't help. Like you described very well, you know, the dynamic a lot of times with these these uh, these women who've had abortions is, you know, I just want to escape. I want to escape from other people. I want to escape from the church because it's going to remind me about my guilt. I'm going to escape from the, the remembrance of the abortion. That that's not that doesn't work. That approach doesn't work because it only isolates you more and it increases the risk of despair. No, go towards people you know and trust in whom you can confide and face it honestly what you've done. It's the end of the life of your child. And there is a, a legitimate feeling of guilt for that. But it's not the end of your life. Uh, God loves you. We love you. And there is healing uh, available. Anybody who's in this situation or knows a friend who's in this situation, let me recommend they go to abortionforgiveness.com. It's a website we operate where you just can find nearest to you or nearest to your friend the various ministries that exist, including our own, for healing after abortion. That's abortionforgiveness.com. That's a great tip because so many people, I think, don't know what to do. And uh, you and I have spoken many times and I want the show to be where it's as if you and I are having a phone call like we always have. And I remember my days uh, when I was sick, when I had spinal cancer and I broke my back and I shared a little bit of that with you and, and the struggle. Even I, who have never had you know an abortion or been involved with that kind of uh, situation as the father of the child, I had guilt of not pushing myself hard enough, not recovering fast enough. If my back hurt, maybe I'd miss church, wouldn't go to confession, chronic pain settles in. So I think we all, uh, at one point or another, like you said, you can't judge that harshly because we've all avoided, I think, God and the light of the church at one point or another out of fear of guilt and pain. What's your advice to everyone now, uh, not just the ones who've had abortions, that are doing that as well, that are hiding from God, maybe not thinking about faith, everything's skin deep? How do you help people delve deeper into what really matters when there's a fear and a pain that that sort of hits you and, and comes with that when you have to face the truth? If we recognize it for what it is, that it is fear, it is pain, uh, we can we can work beyond that. In other words, to recognize whatever has happened, it doesn't take away your worth, your dignity, or the love of people around you that maybe you don't even know yet, but who are ready to help you. Again, it's it's reaching out rather than than turning in on oneself. That's a key fork in the road when we're suffering. Do I do I reach out for the help, uh, or do I just turn into to myself and 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 try to find uh, uh, the consolation there? That that's a dead end. Um, of course, we all need. Solitude. We're not talking about about that. Uh, but reaching out for the, the essential help is um, uh, that's a key. It's a decision we make, and once we do, we can get we can get through anything. Uh, and reaching out, of course, includes reaching out to God. Uh, and and just you know, you may feel like you're not even sure He's there, or you don't know how to pray. Doesn't matter. Just the desire. See, Lord, if you're there, just help me. And you know, you may not even have any other words. You don't need to. You just have to have that desire. You reach out to God. He's going to reach back to you. I think you're right, because I've met people that are Christ-like, and we're all imperfect. We're all sinners. And yet I've met people that are so Christ-like that they will forgive you and make you feel good inside. They'll make you feel forgiven. And I, I always think that if there are humans that can exist that behave that way, how much more does God love us? How much more does Jesus say it's okay? I understand. I love you. I'll get you through this. It's still a sin, but I'm not going to abandon you. I think that's important that we hold on to that. And, and that's a great point um, that you bring up. I want to close on one question uh, before I ask for a more lighthearted one to, to end the interview. But what 
is it that we can do for our young people? It seems like God has left the classroom, has left the films, has left the songs that we used to sing and listen to. What can we as believers and, and people like yourself in the priesthood or in the clergy in the church, what can they do to help bring young people back that have basically written church off as a lie, uncool? How, how do you resurrect that? Well, a lot of the reason why they've done that, those who have, um, is because they've been cheated. They have been deprived, like you said, because of the removal of God from secular forces in our society, from all these different institutions. We, we've shortchanged them, but they're still thirsting for that. And when they find it in people, and the, the best thing we can do for them is summed up in one word, witness. We witness to them what God does to us when we let him transform us. He gives us the peace, the joy, the love, the generosity, uh, the kindness, the, the, just the people's sense when a person of faith is, is around them. They stay, and we want to make them say, what is it that you have that makes you like you are, that, that I obviously don't have. And they will be attracted to that. Uh, many of our young people are rediscovering faith. They are, uh, a thirst, a thirst for God, remember, is built in human nature. We might fail to tell them about God, but that doesn't take that thirst away. So if we're there to them as witnesses, personal witnesses, let them see your generosity, your 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 service and, and love for others. They want to see authenticity, integrity, honesty. Uh, young people are attracted to that. We're all attracted to that. And uh, that is how we best serve them. Nice. So I want to close on a more lighthearted question because I like to ask my guests for either a book or a movie or a song they love. And I was a film critic for a long time. Do you have a favorite movie you turn to, a favorite book, a favorite song, just something that uh, fills you up when you need it, when after you've prayed, maybe you need something secular that has mentions of Jesus or, or not. What's your favorite film or, or book to turn to? Well, you know, I, I think when you said song, because uh, I was just listening to uh, just listening it to again uh, this morning, is um, God bless the USA. Good, good choice. Lee Greenwood. I really get so because it, it it combines a number of things. It combines on a natural level, you know, the, the sense of patriotism, gratitude for our country. It combines also faith. Right. God bless uh, the USA. And uh, it, 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 it converges too with my own uh, personal uh, love and support for for President Trump and all he has done and all he uh, is still committed to do for America. And uh, I just to, to let me relate one experience about this song. Uh, and it was recently at Mar-a-Lago. I was at a, a meeting there and it was a, with a with a fairly large group of people. And uh, in the evening, Lee Greenwood was with us and we had an outdoor concert and President Trump came and joined us. And there was a moment there that I'll never forget. I was about, I would say, five rows back from from the president. And we were all facing the stage. Lee Greenwood is on the stage singing, proud to be an American, right? And behind him in the in the in the distance was the gigantic flag that is on the property there of Mar-a-Lago flying in the in the breeze. Imagine standing there with this group, and I see in my line of sight the flag, Lee Greenwood singing this song with all of us, and the 45th president of the United States standing there as well. That was that was just a monumental, moving experience. And I hope that I, I know I'm confident that our viewers and our listeners who who, who share this sense of patriotism and faith uh, will appreciate that kind of a moment as well. 
That's amazing. Well, it's Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Again, a great friend of the program. And uh, please keep speaking truth. Keep the faith. Uh, good luck with getting your collar restored. We know we're praying for you. And uh, please keep us as a country in your prayers as well. We're going to need it, I think, going forward. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nick. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate having you. We will be right back with more Brace for Impact. Don't go anywhere. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Wow, that was a great episode. It's great talking with Father Frank, and I always enjoy our discussions. He's a very good man and someone I think is genuine. Prays for me all the time. I pray for him quite a bit. And he hit upon a lot of things. So I'm going to try to condense my outro here for the show, the closing remarks, because I could talk about this for days. But it seems as if I'd like to start with the church and Christianity. There seems to be this push to take morality and make it whatever it is the church says it is. There were pillars and commandments and words of Christ that were followed in the past. And these pillars, even modern day church pillars, seem to have been abandoned by the current structure of the Vatican. Now, when Pope Francis was elected, I was at a Jesuit university. Francis himself is a Jesuit. And within them, within that order of priests, was a very strong desire to implement two words, social justice. First, I didn't know what that meant. I thought to myself, well, sounds good, but it's quite broad. What does that mean? And it would come up beside other words like environmental justice, racial justice. Felt like all they had to do was throw the word justice after it, and that excused everything and anything. Now, speaking as a Catholic, Christ welcomed all kinds, everyone. It was, you have a chance to come on in at any time and celebrate with us and learn about the faith. A lot of Christian faiths are that way. You don't have to be a member to come into the church and worship or just to learn a little bit about what's going on every Sunday in that building. However, the forces that are looking to push out people like Father Pavone, they've gone a different way. They excuse everything. In Catholicism, we practice the act of confession, and sometimes people let it lapse. I have in the past. It's very difficult practice, but it does help cleanse your soul, I think even if it's only to make you feel better in an earthly sense to get it out there with what you think you failed at or your misdeeds. But I remember going to confession and sharing some thoughts with the priest and being told that nothing was set in stone. Nothing that I had done was that big of a deal. And that others, he applied this to other people too while we were discussing it. And he said, welcome to the human condition. And that seems to be applied to a lot of things today that were once warned against. Oh, you don't go to Mass for months at a time? Well, welcome to the human condition. This is the new world. You look to the news and phones and medical technology to tell you the future and where you're going to be and you've left your faith by the wayside? Oh, that's okay. You're still in good standing. 
And then I would see other priests, the antithesis of Pavone, they would take the word and twist it for their own political purposes. And if you don't think it's politics that got Pavone defrocked, then you weren't listening. Abortion has become a political issue. It's sad that it's become so red or blue or black and white, so to speak, that there's only one side or another. Either you are for the unborn or you're against it. It's not that simple. There are going to be moments where it's hard to make the call. And in those moments, you need people on both ends of the spectrum to be willing to sit down and talk and dialogue. Pavone seemed always like he was willing to do that. And knowing the Jesuit cohort and knowing the church itself and seeing how it's changed in the last 10 years, I don't think there was any discussion or difficulties in them saying, you know what, he's spoken out too much. He gives deference to President Trump sometimes because President Trump is very pro-life. And they were more than happy to say, get out. And that's sad because they defrock someone like Pavone, but they don't go after the priest who preaches homilies with no soul, who doesn't even believe the word of God. You can see it on some of them. You can feel it. You can look and say, that priest believes what he's saying. And other times you know it. You're saying, this priest wants to get out of here and go back to watching Roku or doing whatever it is he's done. And you have to do some awful, evil terrible things to get defrocked in Christianity uh, in Catholicism that's been proven there were men that did unspeakable things that were not thrown out of the faith that were shuffled around or anything to avoid accountability but when this young younger I should say priest begins to gather a force he's directing priests for life he's pushing the idea that there is accountability that most people believe that there's something after this a large majority still. Atheism may be becoming more popular and hip, but most people, I think, believe that there's something after this. There's something out there watching out for them. And to seed ground to that other faction of people that don't believe in faith, that they think religion is evil and there is no God, and they were most of the people that are inside the Catholic Church now. In my, from my view, in the Northeast at least, and around here in Washington, that's very rare to find priests that haven't politicized everything, even if their intentions are good. They draw lines in the sand, and I'm not talking about the way Christ did. And speaking of that, Pavone also hit upon something I thought was very interesting, that the way that that side of the church used to behave. They would maybe wag their finger at women at abortion clinics or stand there with signs and yell or get pumped up. And that hasn't worked as well as it's okay. Like patting the woman or the, or the husband or the whoever is responsible for feeling guilty. It's okay. The door's open. Come in. Let's talk about what you can do to feel better, what you can do in the future to get over something like this. Because under Francis, the church has made it seem like not just abortion, but other things that bring people stress and woe, like drugs, social media, they haven't hit the nail on the head in their homilies enough to say, listen, put down the phone. Your life is finite. And not your life is finite, go do drugs and don't have children and live it up to the fullest like Chelsea Handler did on social media a few weeks ago, back, a few months back. 
talking about how she her life is fantastic without kids because she eats edibles and sits around all day. That's great if you want to wake up one day in tears and alone. But it seems to me that the people that follow the more difficult path when they deny themselves those little dopamine hits through all the little vices that we enjoy. And everyone does. I, I eat sugar and play video games and sleep late. So we all do it. But it seems that when things hit the fan and everything goes nuts, it's not the people that are quote unquote living to the fullest that have control. It's the people that were steady enough during the calm times to deny themselves those things that people are just saying, yeah, watch pornography on your phone. It's totally normal. I've even seen it in New York City. I saw a guy once in an elevator watching porn on his phone with no headphones and no one even bothered to say, excuse me, could you turn that down? So there seems to be a pushback on priests that act like Father Frank and that simply want to preach the gospel. And when they do, some of these priests, there's places in the country and and other municipalities, states and areas where it's not like Washington or New York City. But even then, those priests are greeted with another argument that says, well, Jesus didn't mean that exactly. We're going to twist it and make this narrow eye of a needle into a huge highway of, of, you can do all this stuff and still find peace and salvation. Well, I'm not God, so I don't know. I'm, I'm more of on the forgiveness side. But as for finding happiness in your life... Good luck living on that trajectory of, yes, that's fine. There's no check by the church of, maybe you should try to have the child and give it away for adoption. Maybe you should try scaling back on eating sugar. Maybe the pharmacy is not the place you should be going. Maybe it's your family's house or a house of worship. They're either afraid to speak the truth. They've been bought off with a comfortable life or their politics line up with doing nothing. It's one of those three usually because a A leader of faith, whether it be Catholic, Christian, Jewish, Islam, doesn't matter. You believe in God? There has to be some kind of North Star, a true North. And right now, people that are pushing back on the culture that says, hey, we should have accountability, they want to throw the compass away completely. Because if there's no true North, then there's no punishment. There's no negative thinking. There's no, oh, did I make a mistake As my dad used to say, they're lying to themselves and they're believing it. You can lie to yourself pretty well and fool yourself almost all the way. And then there's this jump you take from lying to yourself and mostly believing it to fully believing that you're doing a good thing. By telling people, go nuts, you only have 70 to 80 years on the earth, rock on. These things are, they don't matter. They're not going to drag you down. These are they're lying to you on the other side of things, telling you there's a right, there's a wrong. But we all know it. We all have a center inside ourselves that tells us, hey, getting too close to the other line over there, you're getting too close to the edge. A lot of people either choose to ignore it. Some people, you could argue, are born without it. They have sociopathic tendencies. But most people, most people, not only believe there's something after this, but they believe that it's based on what you did with your life. And Jesus said, uh, God said in one of the parables, uh, what did you do with what I gave you? And when that question comes up and you don't have an answer, I feel sorry for people like that. And I feel even more sorry for those in leadership that tell these followers, this flock, 
the wrong information. And again, I'm not claiming to know what happens after you die in, in its entirety, but I do know that if you are going to go out and, and just do what you feel every day, or you're going to feed that beast more than you feed the spiritual side of you, you will wake up empty. It may take a day, it may take a year, it may take 10 years, but you are going to wish you had that time back. And and I've been there. You know, I'm not an angel. Like there were moments where when I had spinal cancer, I got addicted to opioids and I was a different person. It was all about either killing the pain or that I had in my back from the broken back and, and the spinal cancer, or it was about filling the void that I was feeling from all the stress and the sickness and and it didn't make me feel any more whole. It made me feel even more empty in the end of it. There were little spurts of dopamine where, yes, I believed in that gospel of, you know what, I'm just going to do what I need to do to get through or to feel better. And I ended up a wreck. And thankfully, thank God, I bounced back a few times. But I don't say this in a judgmental way. I say it in that I've been there. And I want anyone listening to know that no matter how stressful it may seem, thinking these thoughts and checking yourself is important because no one else is going to do it for you in today's world. They're going to give you every pass in the book for different reasons. They may want to make money off of you by having you continue a habit of drugs or sugar or technology. They may want you to feel comfortable so that you vote politically a certain way. They may want you zombified. They may want So there's a lot of interests at play that they don't want you talking about these deep topics. They don't want you thinking about your future or your soul. But we here at Brace for Impact do. That's the name of the show. Because try as we might, and though truth be on our side, that doesn't mean that the impact still isn't going to happen. And when it does, trust me, you're going to want to have spent more time building up your soul and who you are underneath than feeding the beast of your looks or your appetite or your obsessions. And you'll be happier for it, trust me. Whether Whatever happens next, whatever comes next, you will be a better person and happier for it. So take a chance. Do something this week that you wouldn't normally do that helps someone else. Get, throw out an olive branch. Stop and give money to the man that's outside the coffee shop that's been sitting there homeless for the last six weeks. But I know how it is. You know, sometimes you can't stop. Give some thought to a topic where maybe you think you could have done something differently. Call someone up who you've had a falling out with. Because if we are not involved in our own salvation, whether it be spiritual or just personal, salvation, earthly salvation as well, if we're not involved and we zone out, that's when we get lost. And when we get lost, we make bad decisions and those decisions ripple outward and it just destroys so much. We have so much beautiful potential in this country. And I truly believe that if we can find a way to come together on certain truths, hey, one plus one is two, boom, that's truth. Start there. If we can come together in that manner, I think we can line up this country and the world for another Renaissance era, for another golden age. We can cure diseases that we've never been able to cure. We can educate our children with tools and technology that we only dreamed of. Back 20, 30 years ago, we can explore the stars. There's so much more and 
there's just so much good that can still be salvaged. There's so much more that can be done that you can't ever give up. To quote Coach Jimmy V, famous, he survived cancer for a little while, but eventually he succumbed to the disease. But he walked up on stage full of tumors to accept the Arthur Ashe Award. It's a famous ESPN award. They were covering the event. This was back, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s. And Coach V said, full of tumors, about to die. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. So continue feeding your soul with good things. Continue thinking about these deep thoughts of life and try to find a way that you can help repair a piece of it. To rely on others to do it is to run out the clock. We won't have time. It's just, it's a different world. It's on you now. You have the power. You have a Twitter account. You can get around more easily with Uber and Metros and you can speak to people. You can minister to people. Take your experiences, take your lessons you've learned and share them with the afflicted. Because there is, the institutions that were once responsible for doing that have ceded their responsibility to the government or have farmed it out to other nations and said, you know what, America's not going to lead the way anymore. And if it goes dark here, it's going to go dark for a lot of people in a lot of countries around the world. So do your best to keep the light burning. Keep people engaged. Try not to judge them too much, but also don't go to the other end of the extreme and say, there is no objective morality. There is no sin. You're all good. That will lead us to a very dark and dangerous place. So I'm glad people like Father Provone are still out there. I want to thank him for coming on the show. It's a very brave act these days to speak out, especially when they're arresting former presidents and raiding the homes of journalists just trying to speak the truth. And he'd been defrocked already. So again, uh, it takes a lot of courage to do what he does and what he did. So we'll have him back on again, I'm sure, in the near future to talk. But put yourself out there. Share your pain with others or help alleviate someone else's. Because at this point, what have you got to lose? Thank you.